And a good evening, everyone. This is Robin Kennedy, and I got a new title. So I am the Chief Risk, of risk Officer for Purdue um, Global uh, Internship Program. And every Wednesday night at 7, for the newbies that are attending tonight, every Wednesday night at 7, I do a governance and control and process meeting. And we have a very loose agenda. So from time to time, I'll add um, certain topics that are good to know um, when going into the workforce or going into large IT organizations or even small IT organizations. So tonight is the Be a Good Corporate Citizen presentation. And also, I'm going to give a few updates on the project. So does anybody have any questions before I get started? Two. I love that. Marjorie's always on the outside of the binary. So let's go to the next. So let me give you an update of where we are in alignment with our efforts to um, align our projects with our corporate um, objectives. So for the new folks that are watching, our objectives are the five orange boxes. So as an internship, as a program, as a company, PGIP Tech, we, our goals are to grow and innovate, to gain operational efficiencies, protect our brand, serve our customers, and then leverage whatever resources we can get our hands on, including each other, for advanced learning. So we've been through steps one, two, and three. We evaluated our current state. We discovered our strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities and threats. We took a look at those SWOT results, and now we've put together some projects to um, build our capabilities and to run the company. So I wanted to take a second and look at where we are with the enterprise projects. So hopefully all of you that are here have access to FreedCamp. So in FreedCamp, I have put a new uh, project together, which is called Enterprise Projects. And listed on the enterprise projects are everything we came up with as a result of the SWAT. So I'm going to bring that up on the screen so you can bring that over. So if everybody can see that, I'll make it a little bit smaller so you can see. So this is the enterprise projects program right here. And within this project, there are going to be enterprise efforts that the entire internship is going to participate in at one point or another, either one person or a team of people. And it's going to live on over time, even past graduations of interns. So when you first open the program, you'll see this README. And the README here will always stay here. And it explains a little bit about what to do in this um, project and then how to operate or navigate within it. So this task is always going to stay here. And then from here, if you collapse all the projects, and right now I'm in the workflow view and not the list view. So you could see what's in progress and what's been completed. So the communications project, we have a couple of um, efforts underway, communications streamlining and the communications policy. We also um, have underway a policy project for project management using FreedCamp. So I think over the past few weeks, we've actually exploded our use of FreedCamp for everything within the company. And I think it's been very successful as Marjorie can attest. 
Um, cyber's been doing lots of stuff, uh, putting a lot of getting a lot of um, exercise in areas, doing some testing and some perimeter testing of some websites. Tonight, we're gonna do a corporate citizen training on our first topic. And then the onboarding project, we've done a lot of work around this just in the past couple of weeks. We're going through an onboarding process redesign, hopefully streamlining everything as um, to make it a lot easier and cleaner for new interns to onboard. And then below that, there are several other projects. So there are other projects that are, are getting started and we're working on now. So that's just a high level overview of what's going on on the enterprise projects in FreedCamp. Next, I wanted to talk about the new policy that I put in front of the steering committee this week. So I've put together an information classification policy. And the reason that this is an anchor policy and that this policy is one of the so important to have before you develop any other type of control documents is because how can you secure information if you don't all agree on the type of information? If you don't always all have the same language and use the same verbiage around whether information is classified correctly, if the data elements are classified correctly. So how can we secure our information if we don't understand the information that we're trying to secure? So what this policy does is sets the requirements for classifying information or data types. And the what you really need to know, and I put it on the presentation, is that we're using four data types. Pretty typical in the industry, restricted confidential is the highest um, is the highest, oops, move that out of the way, is the highest level of classification. It's the most sensitive information. It's limited to people who need to know. Um, it seems very similar to confidential, but the difference is how we're going to secure that information from a technology perspective. So restricted confidential needs to be, needs to be encrypted at rest. Confidential information would need to be encrypted in flight. And internal use only is the type of information that we all use. Uh, for example, it's not going to harm the company. We're not giving away secret sauce of the company. Policies, um, certain documents we use to, to uh, process documents internally, those types of, of documents are going to be internal use only. Public information is what's available to the public and anybody can find it out. Just the fact that Purdue Global exists, public information. But that Purdue Global exists, has an internship program, you're a part of it and you have access to Amazon Web Services? Mm, not so much. That's not public knowledge. That would be, depending upon what you have access to, that would be between internal use only and confidential. If you had access to things like social security numbers, any health information about an individual, any conversations about health information about an individual, that falls under HIPAA regulation. So that's gonna be restricted confidential. So right now this policy at the highest level is being reviewed by the steering committee. And I expect to have a few a few uh, comments about the policy. Uh, Doc has already reviewed it and she's approved it. 
But what I need is for the VP and the COO and several other people to take a look at it because they're down and dirty with the data so they know what data is where and how the implementation of this project or of this policy could impact things we do every day. So if we say restricted confidential information needs to be encrypted at rest, well, well, wait a minute. One, how do we do that? How do we know that it's done? Do we even have a, a folder hierarchy or a, a standard file naming convention that we that we um, that we subscribe to? How are we going to be able to identify where it lives to know that it's restricted confidential and that we have to encrypt it? So a lot of things will have to happen. We'll have to cascade as a result of of implementation of a policy like this. So the appendix of the policy is what you see on the screen right now. Let me make it a little smaller so you can see a little better. It has each of the classifications on the left, restricted confidential, confidential, internal use only in public. And then it has a few examples of the type of information that falls into that category. So the type of data elements that fall into that category. So there's structured data and unstructured data. And each one of them will need to be classified and handled according to their classification. But we have to identify it, we have to know where it is, and we have to all agree that it's classified in a certain way, right? So this is all the very beginning of securing the infrastructure along an industry standard type way to do this. So this is a really good, um, helpful cheat sheet. If you're handling something or some type of PGIP data, then you can take a look at the policy and then know that, okay, I this is the kind of access that I can grant to this information or not, or this is the type of approval I need to get, or how do I dispose of information? This policy is going to tell you how to do that. So while not ready for prime time, I just wanted to give you a preview of the information classification policy and what will be coming down the pike in the next couple of weeks. Any questions about the policy? Zero. Excellent. So, yes, Chris and I approve in Freebicamp task. Perfect. So now I wanted to talk a little bit about getting some of that housekeeping about the things we're doing from a project perspective and from a risk perspective in the internship. I wanted to take a minute to talk about a topic that is very important to me. So what does it mean to be a good corporate citizen? Does anybody like have any idea or at a high level, you know, be able to answer that question? What does it mean to be a good corporate citizen? Anyone, this is not a one or zero answer. Go ahead and anyone tell me what you think. Lead by example, that's a good one. Don't just stick to your job. That's right, you know, you can tell me to take out the trash. Hey, I'm a, I'm a corporate person, I'll go ahead and do it. That's part of that. So, Dan said, lead by example. Jim said, don't just stick to your job, right? Be willing to chip in wherever. Absolutely, both good answers. Um, the one I want to focus on tonight is about interaction, what the culture is like, 
how can one person impact the overall culture? And is corporate culture even a thing? So we have a few more interns here tonight. How many of you currently work in an IT department? One or zero is fine. Okay, just Dan and Jim are listening to me. So this is just gonna be between the two of us, Dan and Jim. Um, would you call it a large company? Yes or no? Dan's a yes. Great, we'll play 20 questions. We can guess where Dan works. Is it for the government? No, no, oh, no, Teresa answer too. Okay, perfect. So overall, there is a culture, there is a heartbeat inside every company. One of the things that we like to talk about, um, I spent 10 years at Capital One and really there's no other type of corporate culture like Capital One's. Um, and Capital One has a huge campus here in Richmond, got about 25,000 people just on this one campus and it's grown just over the years here exponentially and person after person after person and it was able to maintain its culture internally and one of the things that we challenge that we we were challenged with when i worked there was understanding each other's vernacular so this goes to the information classification policy right the vernacular about pull up does anybody know what a pull up is to me i thought it was a diaper does anybody have another another uh, definition of pull up? Okay, so one of the things that happened in the Capital One campus is there were all these little rooms um, everywhere, glass and two chairs in them and just a glass door that you would draw back and forth. And, and so you go down the hallways and there's big rooms and then there's little rooms and those rooms were known as pull up rooms. And so people would constantly be ask, asking each other instead of scheduling a meeting and going through all that, that they would, do you want to just pull up? And I never knew that. And so there were lots of other things like that. So a deck. So what you're looking at right now on, on the screen is a deck. Most people call it a PowerPoint. Most people call it a presentation, but a capital one, they called it a deck and you never went anywhere on Capital One, you never went to any meeting, you never did anything without putting a deck together and taking it with you. So we had walk around decks and we had strategy decks and we had summary decks and we had reporting decks. So you name it, we had decks, but really they were all PowerPoints. So it really got to the point where I was death by PowerPoint. But my point about this with this conversation is there's a culture at every company and a single person can influence the culture at every company. And you think you don't, but you do. So your presence has power. So if you have a, a, a meek presence and a, a not talkative presence, that's gonna say to add something to the culture. If you have an aggressive presence, if you have a talkative presence, if you have an eager presence, present, that's going to add to the culture. And as these cultures meld, it makes the overall corporate culture. One of the things we were concerned about at Capital One primarily, when we went on a, an acquisition spree. So we started buying banks 
across the country. We bought North Fork in New York and Long Island, and we bought, um, I forget the name of the bank, down in New Orleans and Texas. And then we bought some other, you know, digital bank in D.C. and the U.K. And so we bring all those people into the fold, and what does that do to the current culture? It can't help but change, right? So people think that they're a cog in the wheel of a corporate culture or just what they do when they go inside the company doesn't matter, but I'll tell you, it really does. So I worked at large companies and small, from the Marines to Floor Daniel and Duke Energy to a, a healthcare firm to Capital One, and now I'm at CarMax, which is a Fortune 500, and I work at the headquarters here in Richmond in cybersecurity, and its culture is unlike any I've ever seen. And I've been frustrated at all the previous um, companies because it was very cor corporate, it was very uptight, and it was very stiff, and it was very rigid. And it really didn't embrace ideas unless they came up with it themselves. So the not invented here syndrome. And at CarMax, and this is a good advertisement for CarMax, our culture is truly one of integrity and in putting the associate first. And what CarMax does is what you see on the screen. So that's what I wanted tonight's theme to be about, is respectful inter interaction among one another within the culture is the key to a good corporate culture. And what does that mean? Well, at CarMax, and I don't want this to be a CarMax commercial, but it is based on the treating others with respect policy. We actually have a corporate level policy that declares at a corporate level the value of treating each other with respect. Because then by doing that, we treat our customers with respect. So what you see on the screen right now is an example of that. So these five things are the things that we should be doing for respectful interaction that can help influence the culture of any organization, even here at PGIP. So one of the things I wanted to talk about were these five things, right? Showing curiosity for the views of others. So we mirror neurons. We work to create empathy with one another and among individuals. So what a counter behavior would be is, this is my idea and it's my way or the highway. In a respectful culture and a culture that embraces the opinions and ideas of other people, showing curiosity for each other's views and actually encouraging those views and actually working to bring out those views and then listening to other people is key for everyone feeling that they've had a satisfying, respectful interaction. So showing curiosity for the views of others. Second, is seek ways to grow, stretch and change. So sometimes we think that, that if I show that I have a particular weakness or, or that I don't know a specific technology or I, I haven't seen this specific you know, SSL configuration or firewall change configuration or, or anything like that. If I haven't seen those things, I better not let anyone know because then my job could be in jeopardy. When actually it's strength to be able to say, hey, I don't know this one thing. 
Can you help me understand it? So seeking ways to grow, stretch, and change, and looking for opportunities that, hey, may be outside of your comfort zone, but you're willing to go for it, that's another way that's respectful interaction. The third one is looking for opportunities to connect with and support others. Sometimes we just like to, you know, take our toys and go home, right? Especially in an online environment, it's really hard when we don't see each other and we can't play off each other's uh, facial expressions or, you know, I don't know if all of you right now are running around doing the dishes or listening to music or whatever and not paying any attention to me. So interaction in an online environment, honestly, is completely different than one-on-one face-to-face interaction. And you have to really work at it. So looking for opportunities to connect with other people and then ways to support them is another way that can boost the culture and respectful interaction. Fourth one is one of the things that I love to do which is be wrong, right? I allow myself to be wrong on occasion. We should allow ourselves to be wrong. If we think that we're always right, then we reduce the amount of new things that we take in because we know it already. So I could never be wrong. I know everything. And then I shut off that hose or that fire hose that could be giving me all this other information. And then at the same time, I shut off what could be valuable interaction from other human beings. There's some interaction in this um, internship. I've been here a couple of weeks and there's some interactions I had when I was actually an intern three years ago. There are some interactions that I remember from 15 to 20 years ago because they were so impactful. So I'll give you an example about being wrong on occasion, or actually it's about being humble and understanding um, and viewing others and the view of others and how they see a situation versus how you see a situation. So I was a, a an IT project manager at Floor Daniel and we built power plants around the world. So we had this power plant that we were gonna build for Newmont Gold Company in Batahijau, Indonesia. And I was in charge of making sure that the project here and the project in Indonesia had all the technology that it would need. So every piece of technology that it had to have um, and the satellite relays were in place, I had to make sure of all that. So that was my job. This was in the mid nineties. And I had a meeting with the program director and then the other leaders from the other departments and I represented IT and I put a presentation in front of him. And, and at that time we would have day long project management meetings. So they would go for a whole day and they'd order in food and we would plan out the entire project for about a week. So by about the third day, I was really frustrated because I had presented everything that I needed to have I had put tables in front of him. I'd done my presentation and and I explained to the program director, you know, I need X millions of dollars to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's what every other project has done. And, and he just wasn't getting it. And I couldn't understand why he wasn't getting it. It's the, it's the same. And I went and talked to the CIO and frustrated. And I said, and uh, I told him, I said, this project, this program director just isn't, getting on board. 
and he gave me some great advice. And he said, why don't you put it in a different, why don't you put the graphics in a different way? Why don't you present it in a different way? So thinking that was the most ridiculous thing I had ever heard, I went home that night and I worked in PowerPoint and I actually took the same information that was in squares and tables and I put it in a new PowerPoint, but I made it look like a circle. I'm not kidding you, same information. And, and uh, I took that, I'm sorry, I was just reading the, the things. And so I took that presentation, I'd taken the same information from the tables and I put it in a new presentation and I put it in a circle. And on Friday, I go back in and I'm ready for another fight with this program director. And uh, I put the presentation up and I start to discuss it the same way I had every single day that week. And he goes, now that's exactly what I was talking about. Great job. And I smack my forehead because it was the same stuff that I had been saying for four days every single day. But to him, he just couldn't get it. But he needed to see it in a different way, right? So I think that interaction with this program director 20 some years ago, 30 years, I don't know, don't tell me how long it's been, probably hit all five of the things you see on the screen right now, right? I had to allow myself to be wrong. I wasn't putting it in a way that he could understand it. I needed to look for a way to connect with him and I couldn't find it. CIO helped me out and his suggestion to change how it looked on the page was all it needed, all I needed to get that point across to him. And then finally, engage others in ways that build their self-esteem. So sometimes we're in a workplace and things can get ugly. So-and-so didn't deliver what they were supposed to deliver on time. And sometimes, you know, people can insult each other personally and, and they don't think they mean to, but again, they haven't understood the previous, you know, the ideas of the person or what they had been through. And this is actually my favorite thing about this topic, which is the final nugget that I'm gonna give you all is that, you never know someone's journey. I owned a gym, so before I joined Carmex, so in between Capital One, I took took all this stuff and I and I opened a gym, and we we ran that fitness center for seven years. And one thing that I learned from interacting with people every day when they come in, they're most vulnerable, either super fit people or not super fit people older folks, younger folks, people going through menopause, people freaking out because they gained a few pounds or they were gonna get married and they couldn't get in their wedding dress. It didn't matter. What I understood was coming into the gym, it was never about price. And the industry leads people to think that joining a gym is it's you know $10 a month and no joining fee and all those crap you see on TV. Well, it's never about the money. It's about, does the place connect with them? And so what you have to do is get to the reason the person walked in the door. I had one lady come in, she had a flyer from some advertising I'd done a year prior. 
And she said that she had had that, kept that flyer on her nightstand for the entire year. And for six months, she had been coming to the parking lot and driving away. But today she decided it was the day to walk in. So by the second or third year, I caught on to what was really happening, right? So I changed my approach because now I understood the people. I wasn't selling a product. I was really selling an idea. And when people came through the door, I took the time to understand who they were and what their journey was that had brought them to me that day. So the first question I would ask them, not, hi, how are you doing? How can I help you? What most people do. The first thing that I would ask the person that walked into the gym with their big doe eyes and scared and not knowing what to do, even the tough guys were scared. I, I said to them, what made today the day? And immediately they would be at ease and we would sit down and they'd chit chat and, and just tell me why today was the day they decided to join a gym. And what made today the day? So what I learned from that whole experience that seven years owning that fitness center was you never know someone's journey. You never know what brought them to the door. You never know where they've been, right? And at the same time, they don't know mine. So when you're sitting across from people that just drive you insane, right, in a meeting or, or the boss who just doesn't understand you or, or anything that happens in the workplace, honestly, you don't know their journey unless you take the time to know it. And they don't know yours unless you take the time to open up and let them know your journey. So I'm gonna tell you guys um, just today, in closing, I hope you take away from this course about you don't know what someone's going through in their life. They don't know what you're going through unless you share as human beings. Um, I lost my dog on Sunday. My wonderful, loving, beautiful, most bodacious little Pomeranian you'd ever met. She'd been with me for 10 years and she was wonderful. And uh, she passed away on Sunday. And, and if it could ever be good, it was probably the best way it could have ever happened. I wasn't here. The dog sitter was here with her. And she was just an amazing, amazing dog. And she was 15 years old. And it really, really floored me. She was my little, she was my little adventurer. And, you know, I had to stay home from work on Monday. I just, I couldn't function. And my boss totally understood me because I told her on Sunday that my dog passed away and I shared that with her. And so she knew. And then uh, well, I worked from home on Tuesday. And when I went in today, there was the CISO with a hug. And some of my coworkers came over to talk about it and they gave me hugs, even though it's against HR rules. Right. But every, I let, every, I let people know me. And at the same time, they, let themselves, they themselves let me know them. And so together we can share in this experience and you're not going to like some people and some people are going to get under your skin and some people are going to, you know, get on your last nerve, but you know what? That's human interaction. So just take a minute when someone really gets under your skin, remember these five things and then take a deep breath and 
just think about the journey that they're on, right? What's going on with them that could make today so terrible or that could make them be a certain way. Because you know what? That'll give you more patience with them. And then again, more patience with yourself. So any questions after my, my diatribe about corporate respect and being a good corporate citizen? I think it's just a great opportunity to grow. And, um, you know, and I, that's kind of the fountain of youth, like the lifelong learning and trying to be a better corporate citizen or trying to be a better leader. Um, for me, I, I try a lot to be um, a service leader uh, because I think it takes the village. And so I really appreciate what you share today, uh, because we don't know. I usually say, you know, you don't know another person's bottom, but it's the same thing that you're saying. You you just, you don't ever know. So uh, what would you suggest on uh, bad days? Say if, you know, everything has gone wrong that day and, you know, the boss is asking you to do a lot and, and everything, do you just say, look, I'm having a bad day. Can we talk tomorrow? Or what would you suggest? Um, I do. And I thank every, the gods, right? Everyone, everything that I work where I work. Because honestly, it is the first place that I've worked where I can be that open. And I can, I can go in and tell my boss, that, you know, I'm just, I am not 100% today. And um, and set that expectation from the beginning. And if you have that kind of relationship with your boss, then then you can say these things. But what happens when you've got a boss that's less than that? And I've had several of those. That's when you turn to each other. So one of the things, and I need to talk about CarMax again, one of the things that CarMax puts on its all-associate survey, so it does an all-associate survey every year, one of the questions is, and I thought it was the hokiest thing I'd ever seen when I started working there three years ago. I'm like, seriously? The question is, do you have a fr best friend at work? And I'm like, what? The company wants to know if I have a best friend here or if my best friend works here. How arrogant of them to think that, you know, I'm going to spend so much time at work that that my best friend's going to work here, too, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just went overboard because I had been wounded by some previous organizations. And so that's not what it meant, okay? They changed the wording the next year. And what it meant was is do you have someone at work you can go to? when you're frustrated or that you just, you know, rap with, or you have lunch with, or you, you know, you even hang out at the coffee, coffee cart or over by the cooler, whatever your environment's like is you, you take a smoke break. I mean, do you have someone that you can, that you can be yourself with? So if you don't have a supervisor like that, then hopefully you have some relationship with your peers where you can hang out with somebody and just say, man, I can't take it today because everybody needs that kind of support. And lastly, if you don't have that, so you don't have a boss, you don't have people. Um, I work alone a lot, even when I'm at the corporate office, I've, I'm in risk management. So 
lot of I don't interact with people as a as a model uh, most of the time. So I'm alone there a lot. And things have when things have gotten gritty. What I did is I took one of those large sticky pads, right? And whatever works. I took one of those large sticky pads and I wrote, I drew on it what was most important to me, which was three or four palm trees, right? In green highlighter. And then I took a gold highlighter and I wrote the word calm over the top of those palm trees. When it's a regulatory visit or, or we're getting audited or something's going to happen, it, me getting uptight and upset about it is not going to help the situation. So I took this large sticky and I just put it on one of my monitors. And when I need to take a deep breath, I look at that and it reminds me. Reminds me to take a deep breath. Did that help? A gratitude journal, right? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. And, and I'm about to break that, you know, if, I, if it, we were in the days of lead pencils, you know, <laughs> there might be a day when I, I'm breaking the lead on the pencil, but I'm going to make <laughs> myself write it, you know, just yeah, yeah. to hold on until a better sequence in the day. You know, For, you, yeah. You give it a chance and mm -hmm. it'll get better. Yeah, for Christmas, I got one and it was a daily question. So uh, what great happened today, right? And you you can write it, but I usually fill it out at breakfast. And so it's something crazy. Like what was your, what was your craziest adventure, you know? And you sit and spend some time with yourself and just write a sentence or two. And that really, really helps. I think you're right. And I think another thing, too, is that um, it really, um, you don't want to hurt anybody, but it right. hurts to be misunderstood, too. Yes. So it kind of goes back to your um, principles that you had a few slides ago, understanding that, um, you know, the interaction is both ways. And, yes. and sometimes, um, you know, you hurt people and then and then those people even though they might be in a the big position you yep. know they might be at the top of the whatever you're in uh and that we can say things or or do things that that hurt them because in their heart they want things to work they want things to be right. better not just for themselves but for you as well and uh so uh that's a one thing to keep in mind too and and for the interns, anyone that I ever say something to, and if I hurt you or if you think I'm being edgy or that because I'm human, right? That I open the door to tell me that, you know, right. to say, you know, Doc, maybe I'm misunderstanding you. You know, you're a little rough. However's best for you to say it, I yeah. can take it. Because I want to grow as a person, too. I don't have all the answers to this thing. It's very organic. Yep. You know, and we're, we're systemizing it as we go. And we're learning from each. And we're all teachers and students. That's my philosophy. So um, I don't have all the answers. And um, so the door is open. Yep. Uh, both ways. The one thing I, I said at the um, at the executive meeting this week earlier and it's one of my favorite things and it helps me remember right whenever i'm if i'm going off or beating my chest or i'm complaining about a person doesn't matter who or 
to whom I'm complaining, right? I'm pointing a finger at somebody, and if all y'all just hold your finger out right now and point it at the screen, okay? If you point your finger at the screen, turn your hand and open it, there's three more fingers pointing right back at you. And so what did you do or what could you have done to make that situation different? So when there's conflict, instead of just pointing your finger at somebody, there's always something you could have done to diffuse it, to make it better. Did you have, did you partially cause it? Or is there something that you could do to help the situation? So I love that one. Pointing a finger, open your hand. There's three more pointing right back at you. That really helps me emotionally to calm down after someone, because as Doc just said, you know, I was tangling with some lawyers and uh, at CarMax about some stupid thing. And honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it just doesn't really matter. And along with knowing their journey or understanding their journey, what I figured out was by, you know, visualizing the pointing the finger at the lawyers was that what I was proposing or what I was doing was threatening their position because it was something that they had been doing that had made them relevant for several years. Oh no. And now here comes this person that, you know, wants to either do it a different way or wants to take it away from me. That can make someone feel threatened too. And I'm sure all of you have seen this in the workplace at one time or another. So that's also understanding someone's journey is that, you know, what makes someone so, you know, circle the wagons around a topic and circle the wagons around themselves or their department, and they don't want to interact with anyone else, or just hold on to things so tightly. And honestly, that comes straight out of fear. Their fear of losing face, fear of losing their job, fear of not getting a good performance review, you know, a fear of looking bad, or a fear of someone else looking better. There's just so many, you know, human dynamics in this. And if we can just be calm, and like I wrote on my sticky and adhere to these five things and try to do these five things, then you get a reputation around your company or, or even with your family that, you know, you can talk to and trust that person. And you can be yourself around that person because, you know, they're going to allow themselves to be wrong. They're going to allow, you know, themselves to engage with you and you to engage with them. So, Remember that, the, the fear of losing their 4.0, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Yeah, and that's just a, another inclusion as far as the internship structure. We never punish for mistakes. Right. So if somebody does something on their project in their system and they are putting forth a genuine effort and they're trying and they make a mistake, we do not, I mean, that's why you're here for experiential learning, you know, to break, not to break stuff, but if you break something, you know, <laughs> this is the place to do it before you go out to the interview, you know, and go into yeah. another uh, corporate structure. So those kinds of things. And I think I could make that more clear maybe in yeah. the intro uh, to the internship, because a lot of people come with the fear that if they make a mistake, they're going to lose their 4.0. Right. And we are not even interested in that. We just want to be an environment of authentic and courageous 
um, experience. Yeah. Courageous leadership. Yeah. Um, one of the one thing that comes to mind is I think it was old Tony Robbins, one of old Tony Robbins speeches. He told the adage about this guy who worked for this executive and working on the project, working on the project. He ended up spending, you know, $50 million and failing. And he got called to the CEO's office and fully expected to be fired. And when the CEO didn't fire him, he asked why. And he said, because I just spent $50 million on your education. <laughs> and that's where we are, right? So, you know, have the courage, try, do stuff, do things. Because out there in the real world, honestly, you can't just run carte blanche and try stuff. You can have great ideas, but you can't deploy some new cyber strategy in a live environment. <laughs> Marjorie, wow. Oh, I want to say that includes ideas too. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just, you know, that includes ideas. We have had just great people that come in, they uh, promote quickly to management and they have ideas. They say, Doc, we need to do this in this department. We need to set up this structure in the department. You know, things like that. We are wide open to uh, those to ideas. So it's not just you don't get punished for making mistakes. You surely don't get punished for having ideas. Absolutely right. Any questions or comments before I wrap us up for tonight? I'll give you the gift of time, 11 minutes, I think. Thoughts, ideas, suggestions for next topics. I just want to thank you, Robin. This was a, a very good topic and well needed. Um, I've been here, I guess, four years and, you know, I've done things like this and then you get caught up and I was just thinking as you were giving it that new people come in and we need to do this regularly right. uh, because I see like what I was talking about, how would they know if I don't express it? So uh, thank you for this. It's very much needed. You're welcome. You're welcome. I hope to continue them and we'll save these recordings and be able to refer back to them from time to time. All right. Thanks for coming, everyone. If there are no questions, I will stop the recording and I'll see you on Saturday. <laughs>